Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is your host, Sarah Bowen Shea, and I'm joined by a very familiar voice today. Dimity McDowell. Yeah. I guess I get to say my full name. Should I say Dimity McDowell Davis? Uh, just to, you know. Just to mess with people? To, just to get your three, you have three word, three names. I should have three names too. Yeah. No, I in this world, I'm just Dimity McDowell. Yeah, yeah. Well, I figured that suddenly I was like, wait a minute, why do we never say our last names on this show? So. Well, because we're kind of just serendipity, you know? <laughs> I mean. So, um, well, Dimit, is wonderful to have you back uh, virtually at my side for this. So Yeah, it's nice to be here. Just yeah. hanging out. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and you are um, headed to Houston, which um, do, you know, cue the sound time machine travel um that we (laughs) there you go thank you you knew exactly what sound i was talking about because you and i got to be at the 2012 olympic marathon trials in houston and ah what a day that was that was a really really cool day and it was i mean i my memory of that mostly is i i mean so i i brought my um my Canon camera, like mm-hmm. not my iPhone, but a real camera. And I was just shooting, 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 just, you know, put it on sports mode. And that's because that's how sports photographers work. They just, oh, yeah, you that's know, that's how you guys roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's how the Sports Illustrated guys get all those good shots. Right. Um, but anyway, and I went home to download them all. And there was not a picture I could see that had a runner with a foot on the ground. Like they always had two feet off the ground if they were taking a stride. You know what I'm saying? Oh, they're like, like they're like marionettes and forever their strings were slightly too short so they were never fully on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it, it's amazing it's amazing. And even and I so I remember that because I'm like I don't think I've ever gotten a picture like that and just goes to show you how much you know, natural talent and swiftness they have. Mm -hmm. And then I remember seeing the quote unquote back of the pack, (laughs) which, you know, looked slow and they're still running sub three hours, right? It's all relative, but I mean, they, you know, because it was just a pack of them and they did laps in Houston, like they're going to do in Los Angeles. And so, you know, the, the front runners were, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes ahead of the slower runners, you know, <laughs> which can dust us on their easy days. Oh. Uh, yeah. So it was just so thrilling. And, and that the, um, just to see them so up close. And I just remember it was such a beautiful day that day in Houston. It was crisp. It was a little, you know, a little chill in the air, but not much. And they just all looked so fleet and fast and proud and happy and it was, and we were just kind of running back and forth because we were at a part where you could see people, um, you know, at different points along the race. And now that I think about it, weren't we with some of the Wazelle gals? Yeah, we were. I mean, I was about to say, well, so then the men and women there were there together. Yeah. So that was also really cool to see, you know, two, two races unfold. Yeah, see Ryan um, and Meb and yeah. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, we actually we're standing with Sarah Robinson, Sarah Mack Robinson, who was our first guest. Mm-hmm. And I remember she, ha- she was wearing... Um, the Wazelle underwear yeah, that yeah. they have um, <laughs> over her leg. I mean, you know, she's got a great runner's body. So she was wearing them so you could see the back. Yeah. Um, I, I actually have pictures. Let me pull one out to see if I could. It might have been on my old computer that I don't have. But I have pictures from there somewhere. Yeah. Um, see if I can find them for our podcast. Awesome. 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 Yeah. So unfortunately, we cannot be in Los Angeles, but we will certainly be there in spirit and watching it and, and ringing our cowbells, having our kids ring the cowbells. So, um, so yeah. yeah, so this is the second of two extra special podcasts we're doing to 
as build-up to the Olympic marathon trials, which take place in Los Angeles on Saturday, February 13, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this show on the day it debuts, but we're recording it on February 3rd, so as not to load any more demands on these mother runners during their taper. And it's on television, right, Sarah? Well, you know, Ellison and I were talking about that in last week's episode. Uh, we have to figure out whether it's going to be on TV. We're sure it'll be on internet somewhere. Um, so we, we can definitely see it. Uh, yeah. In some yeah. way. Yeah. So um, like on last week's episode, we'll talk with three mother runners who qualified for the Olympic marathon trials and will be running them. They are quote unquote regular moms who have a gift for running and the grit to make their dreams a reality. We want to thank the women's running apparel company, Wazelle, for helping us connect with these amazing women. All of them are part of Wazelle's hot, hot, hot volley hot, team. Hot, hot, hot volley. <laughs> Wazelle, you're like way too cool for school with all these like fast, hard words. Hot volley. Oh, I know. And Wazelle, I think a lot of people must be like, oh, what's that? If, in case you can't understand this, it's O-I-S-E-L-L-E. And it means bird, I believe, in French. Yes, it does. And, and, and we're I'm, not and we're not giving them a hard time. We love them. I'm, but oh, I'm exactly. like, yes. yeah. And also, it, it translates into such great things. Like they on their site, it's like bird is the word, and you know, it just I I love all the bird imagery. So, but before we welcome our first guest, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a sponsor. All right. First up, we're going to welcome Sarah Robinson. Her qualifying time was at the California International Marathon just in December. Her time was two forty two thirty six. Sarah lives in Seattle, where she's the marketing director for Wazelle. Sarah is also the mother of a baby girl who turns two this summer. So, Sarah, before we start talking to you, I have to bring back a memory because we <laughs> met each other at a retreat outside of Seattle. What year was that? Oh, oh my 20, gosh. 2012, 2011? Yeah, maybe 2011. Okay. Well, and so it started off, it was um, in Kingston, and mm -hmm. it started off on a Friday night after we had some dinner and some wine, and we all lit candles in this and put them in this beautiful little pool, and they were kind of our, where they are, an intention candle, mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. like that, and, um, and you, I totally remember you lighting your candle to make it to the Olympic trials. And I was like, holy <laughs> effing cow, like I very, very vividly remember, I'm, I'm like, holy cow, that girl's got to be such a good runner. And here we are talking to you like five uh, years later and you did it, which is, I mean, I have the chills right now. I am just, uh, I'm so, I don't even know you that well, but I'm so proud of you because so much has changed. I mean, you were, were you single then? Yeah, I was like, I remember like bugging all the married ladies, like, how do you get your guy to propose? I've been uh, <laughs> boyfriend for like six years. Yeah, we weren't married. We didn't have... Um, yeah, now we have a baby. We're married, and you did Lots it. Lots of change, and I oh did it. I gosh, don't know. yeah, <laughs> that is so cool. So, um, so so many of you Wazelle girls qualified for the trials at the 2015 California International Marathon. Mm -hmm. So, tell us what it was like getting to share that triumphant experience with your teammates. It was um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. So, I actually ran. There's a little pack. Um, there was a pacer, which feels like cheating. Um, I've never run with a pacer before. Uh, so there was a, a pacer that was assigned to our pace and me and Shal were in this little pack and, um, Trisha Drobeck was in there for a while and whatever. I just always remember looking over at Shal and she just runs like steady, you know, uh, not looking to the left or right. There is just like laser 
sharp focus. Um, oh, and I have to say that's 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 around, that's Shallon Fullov who was on yeah. our podcast last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and your pacer so, was was your pacer for what two forty five or what was the pacer? I mean, because well, your pace is what. So our uh, CIM is so funny. CIM was four days before the standard changed. Um, so we were needed to run under 243 and then four days later uh, it changed to a sub 245 um which is just a weird story in general but um so we needed to run under 243 so our pacer was at uh that pace yeah wow. what is Anyways, that pace so, wait 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 let's just let's oh, just break that, that down pace? what's that pace average well it's 612s 612s wow okay yep. good just just, just <laughs> Just a visual for anyone who's yeah. running along. Just put, you know, put a six where that 10 is <laughs> and pretend Dude, like you're there. I don't know. What's so funny is like, so you say 612 and I, in the office, you're like, that's crazy. And the thing is, is like two weeks before the marathon, you know, I can barely put 612s together for four miles. It's like really hard, but something happens after taper and you show up and I don't know, there's like magic there's and good coaching, but <laughs> sure. yeah. It doesn't feel easy all the time and it doesn't feel easy that day. So oh, I'm sure it didn't. So, so, so did you, um, like when your teammates were there in the, in this pacer, I mean, yeah. was that, was it helpful to have them next to you? Like, so good. To, yeah. yeah. I was going to say like, she's like, was very calming and, um, she just feels like such a professional shall again. Um, it was, it was calming and scary that I was still next to her. Cause I just hold her in like such high regard, um, as an athlete. And she eventually pulled quite quite a ways in front of me um but I made it by the skin of my teeth as I like to say um yeah it was just great to have the teammates and I could hear as I was like finishing people screaming for Lindy Davis um who's also on my team and she had just run Chicago and I could not Mm. believe she was going to come and make the standard whatever a few weeks you know after trying Anyway, I was, yeah, it's, they're just so inspirational. Like, whenever I'm like, oh, my story's cool. But I'm like, look at all these other crazy stories. There's 18 of us. You can just, yeah. you can yeah. just ride out their fumes, right? You're like, yeah, oh my I'll, God. Just, I'll just hang off in, the, in your back and just yeah, carry on everyone's. with you. That's great. Well, but, yeah. but Sarah, you're sandbagging because you, you, you have an amazing story. You only, if, if the Wazelle website is to be believed, um, and I guess this is from your, from your own blog that you only ran your first half marathon, then marathon in 2009, which, you know, was barely seven years ago. And then in 2013, you were 23rd at the Chicago marathon. And now mm-hmm. you qualified for the trials in December. So that's a pretty steep learning curve in a relatively short amount of time. Like how do you do it and and how do you do it and what do you attribute your success to? Hmm. I actually was just emailing someone about this. I, um, I think I attribute the success to a lot of things, this particular one to Stephanie Bruce who coached me. Hmm. We had her on the podcast. She's amazing. Hire her. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But also I've learned, it took me about 15 years to learn how to hold a goal like loosely I don't know, it, rather than a tight fist. Hmm. So I think it's, that's been, it, I guess that's just been huge for me because it means that no matter what happens, I find joy in running or I find joy in the process. And if that ever goes away, I'll probably just stop. You know, what's the point? Um, so that I think that's what I attribute my success to in a way is just that it the times or the places don't matter as much as like 
the experience. I mean, that time definitely mattered and was a huge, just felt like a lot of validation for a lot of, a lot of hard years. Um, but yeah, holding a goal loosely and finding like a lot of just joy in it. I'm curious, were you a, an athlete? You must have been an athlete, like in high school and college, right? You can't just like yeah. run a half marathon in 2019 and then be in the Olympic no. trial seven years later. No. Give us give us a little bit about your athletic background. My athletic background. Hmm. I was a pretty good runner. As, this is funny. Eighth and ninth grade were some really high uh, years for me. I went to you nationals. Peaked. Yeah, dude. I peaked when I was like 15. And then I had a lot of knee surgeries. I went to... I'd gone from having all these colleges send me letters to zero colleges wanting me to run for them. Um, So I walked onto the team at uh, Colorado State, and by the end of it, I made the team. I had setbacks there, though, too. Got in a car accident my freshman year and Mm. wore a back brace for a few months. Oh, boy. (laughs) You really did peak in eighth and ninth grade. (laughs) I thought that might be it. Wow. Yeah. A lot of just ups and downs, but definitely like there's always been that glimmer of, oh, like I could maybe be a good runner. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and you recently injured your knee in a non-running injury. <laughs> um, we'll leave it at I've that. Mercury retrograde. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What, what did you do? We got to know. You can't leave it at that. What did oh you do, gosh. Sarah? I slipped on some ice when I was walking to work. My yeah. coach, Steph, was like, just tell people you tripped when you were running. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really messed up my knee. And I think it was, and you know, when you've, if, when you've been injured so many times, your injuries like flash before your eyes and like you sort of expect the worst because you've seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily for me, it was just like a really bad bone bruise and just a, a lot of fluid in there and took a couple weeks for it to it's still like not quite back to normal, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> was, it, was, it, was that after your race? Your Yeah. So okay. Was, um, three weeks into training, definitely put a, put a little stall in the momentum there, but, um, did like four or five days in the pool and then came back on the roads. How, how's it doing now? <sighs> good. It was, and it was good. It was, uh, I'm like, save Mercury retrograde just in the way that like the universe sometimes like needs to remind you of like your past somehow. It was just like all too familiar. <laughs> um, and I, I you appreciate, it made me appreciate running again. Yeah. Even more. Yeah. Well, because you don't have a lot of time. I mean, right. You have no. what, is it like two and a half months in between races? Is it that, or is it even less? I think it's, yeah, just about that. Yep. So, I mean, so the reality is, is like, you're going to carry most of your fitness from CIM to the trials, right? I mean, Hopefully. I mean, obviously you don't want to hurt your knee, but it's not like you were going to go do a full training cycle right after a marathon, a really fast marathon. Well, or were you? We have, we took it down. We took a week off. And then that next week I was already doing like fartlek work. And then the next week we were, we had workouts on the schedule. Okay. So yeah. And that's, that for me as a very injury prone runner is Hey, that's an accomplishment in its own. <laughs> right? That you just got right back on the training yeah. horse. I was like, yeah. oh, who, who's this? <laughs> well, so you do. Okay. So, you know, even when you don't blow out your knee, you're going to have some, it's hard to have a full-time job, have a two-year-old child and train for a marathon. How do you fit in that training? What, tell us what's, what are your, what's your best tip for somebody listening who wants to take their running to the next level and is concerned mm. about time? I'll tell you. 
You should read your book. <laughs> good one, Sarah. Good one. <laughs> no, but seriously, I was thinking about this too. I So I've read both your books, Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother. And Train Like a Mother sort of talks about, and I remember like there's symbols, whatever, a little weight or a water bottle. Like these are the workouts you don't miss. Um, it's not, I have less time and I run less miles than I ever have. But when it's a day of work, so a workout day or a long run day, those are the days you show up. The other days are gravy. Um, you call them junk miles. That's not really what they are. But um, I think it's focusing on what you can do and not beating yourself up about what you can't do. I do not weightlift. I, up until September, was running only five days a week. Um, but it's making the days and the times that you are running matter so that the work is really quality. Um, and you don't have to do more. You can actually almost do less. Um, and try to fit it in. (laughs) Wednesdays are my big, my big days. I I get to come into the office early. I get in at six and then I go do my workout around eight and then I come back and I work. Um, and then I just run after bedtime and yeah, like I said, just make everything, make, make your work work for you. Wow. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so so from that um, lit candle up there in Kingston to then being on the starting line of the Olympic trials in in LA. So when you close your eyes and envision that scene, how do how what do you see? How do you see it playing out? The race. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to enjoy it. This is feels like such a lifelong goal, and even as a, I'm 32, it sounds so silly. A lifelong goal. Like my <laughs> life is not that long. Um, but it has been a goal I've carried a long time. And it's funny. It's also a goal that my parents carried Mm. and I'm just going to be really proud to have like Sarah McKay Robinson, like to be the person that gets to sort of accomplish this for, for myself and for the people that have cheered me on and for my friends that are finally realizing I'm not going to Rio, but are still proud of me. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to be really thankful and joyful and I hope I can run fast. Oh, awesome. Awesome. That, awesome. Well, that we... gives me the chills all over again. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will be cheering for you. Uh, go Mac, go Mac. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Take care and, and watch out for any ice patches. Yeah. Keep your knees healthy until I'm, until... I'm in a bubble. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good, <laughs> Let's pat it. Very, very good. All Thanks, Sarah. Bye-bye. Bye. Now we're going to welcome on Heather McWhorter, whose qualifying time was also at CIM, California International Marathon, in December. She ran 244.12. Heather lives in Pacific Grove, California, which is near Monterey and Big Sur. She's the mother of two boys, as well as a sports nutrition instructor at a raw and vegan culinary institute. Welcome, Heather. Welcome. Nice to have you. So, so we read about your saga with qualifying. That first you missed the cutoff time. Um, and then, what, two days later, the committee changed the time limit. So is it true that you were changing your younger son's diaper when you got a text letting <laughs> letting you know your time was fast enough? Yeah, I, you know, every after every race, you kind of go through a, a grieving process. Um, during the race, I I gave it my all. I I was prepared. I was excited. I was in a good mindset. It wasn't ideal weather conditions for me. I'm more of like a, a hot, not hot, but warmer weather. So it was kind of drizzling and cold. I'm like, no, I got this. I got this. You know, I'm ready. 
you know, I can do this. Um, and I started off excellent and felt great. And I was just plugging away and I was just in the, just in the groove. And of course, mile 20 comes and, you know, everyone knows it gets difficult, you know, at that point as you're getting closer to the end and my wheels started falling off and I'm like, no, don't fall off. I'm almost there. And I fought and fought. I'm like, and, you know, I, I could tell my pace was slowing down and there was two pacers that were helping a bunch of us uh, qualify, try to qualify. And one of the pacers, um, bless his heart. I think he, he's, I don't know who he was, but he was the one that like, um, helped me not quit um, or slow down as much as possible. And he said, you're still, you still are right at that time to qualify. And it was about four miles left. And I'm like, Oh, I, I have a chance. I, cause my, my wheels were falling off and I thought I was slipping away. And so I just, I fought and fought all the way to the finish. And like, no matter what, just give it your all. And, you know, I saw my time as I was heading down the straightaway and it was two forty four at that point you know and the qualifying was 243 and I was like you know I was I was heartbroken but I I gave it my all and I finished and there's just nothing I could have done to change anything that happened that day and um the the finishing pictures were just gut-wrenching I got him back from that marathon photo company and I was just you could just see the disappointment in my mm. face because I wanted it so bad. And then um, so I had to go through the whole grieving process of, you know, trying to like sort through what happened and a um, couple of days. Do you, have an, do you have any idea why your wheels came off the bus at 20? <laughs> I'm just curious. It might have been from the gradual downhill. I I didn't really train downhill. Um, it's not like a downhill course by any means, but I think after that 20 mile mark I think it was just kind of starting to catch up to me the quads because it is kind of like a slight downhill for most of the race sure and um that was this the only thing is if I would have trained with some more hills and so I finally let it go after the grieving like my husband's like you know bless his heart he had to like hear me for a couple days and I'm just changing my son's diaper and I get this like message from one of the, it was actually from one of the ladies at Wassell saying they changed the, the qualifying time to two forty five, And I'm like, I mean, I literally just changed my, my youngest son's diaper, you know, and I'm <laughs> I'm like throwing it outside and I get this. I'm like, what? I go, this doesn't happen to me. Like what, what is this all about? You know? So I, I researched it. And, um, well, anyway, they're like, contact us, you know, so I researched <laughs> it and it just turned out the Olympic committee adjusted the qualifying time. Um, do you have any idea why they did that? Um, I kind of heard, you know, bits and pieces, but I think it's because so many, there are so many people or athletes have been, um, getting charged with, um, mm -hmm. doping that I think they had to like change times across the board through like track and field and stuff and the marathon because of that. I'm not sure wow. that's okay. kind of like what I heard. So yeah. So the Olympic committee, um, changed the time, which means, well, the U S ATF had to change it because how could someone qualify for the Olympics, but not qualify for the Olympic trials in their own country. So I, so they, I think that's, oh, I mean, that should be the reason. I think that's the reason why they 
they changed it. And I'm just like beside myself. I'm like, this just doesn't happen to me. Like I just went through this whole grieving process and uh, you know, I was, I wasn't going and now I'm going. And I, it took me a while to wrap my head around it and unreal. Like, I oh. mean, cause I wanted this so bad and you know, I'm pushing 38 and I'm like, I'm going to be in my forties now if I, you know, to try to, to get sure. to the the next one. And it's, it's been a, um, on my bucket list for 20 plus years to try to get to the trials. And yeah, I'm so honored to be able to be at that starting line and um, the next week and a half. Yeah, no, that's very, that's cool. What was your husband like? Well, first of all, when you got the text, would you, did you write back like WTF or like, this is an <laughs> April 1st? I mean, cause that's yeah, a really, yeah. you know? I, I texted my husband, he was working and he was like, WTF? Like, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm still like, you know, like my heart's like pounding. I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? Like, yeah. you don't just change the qualifying time, you know? And I also, uh, well, especially because I, I mean, it, it just, it lets you in, right? Like if they want to change it to 244, you know, or whatever, yeah. like, it's still like, I mean, it, it, it was a game changer, you know? Yeah. Like, it was yeah, exactly. And I, um, you know, and back into the race when that pacer told me I still have a chance, like I was starting to like, okay, just finish at this point. Right. Um, and I am so glad I did not give up like from the start to the end, like I pushed to the very end. And if I didn't push and that guy didn't, you know, that the pacer didn't say you still have a chance. Um, I don't, you know, it's like, I would I have gotten two forty five oh one? I don't know. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's, that's, it's a good yeah. lesson for us all. Right. You yeah. never know when you're going to get that text that says, yeah, you know, I mean, whatever thought that would have happened. Cause right when I found out, I texted Blake Russell, she's been um, coaching me and I'm like, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> they changed the qualifying time and she's an Olympian. Mm -hmm. You know, she, she ran the, the trials or the, um, the Beijing Olympics. And she's like, what? That, they just don't change it. And I'm like, I know, <laughs> you know, so we were just kind of like dumbfounded. Like, you know, so it just doesn't change the qualifying. It's been like this for the past couple of years. Why six weeks out from the trials or, um, are they, are they changing the, or eight weeks? I forgot, you know, at that point, how many weeks were left mm -hmm. to, um, two forty-five. Yeah. Wow. wow. Awesome. Well, so now you've got another marathon to run in a couple, <laughs> couple weeks, couple days. Um, yeah. and we know that your husband travels frequently for work. So how do you juggle solo parenting of two boys with training and working outside the home? It's, um, it's a balance. I, I, um, I have to schedule everything and kind of plan my next day. The day before I do a lot of treadmill running, um, which has its plus and minuses, but it, it, it gets me through, um, and my, any tricks for the treadmill? How do you, how do you, uh, is there anything that you do that makes it less, uh, monotonous? I have a TV in there. That That's a big help and uh -huh. music. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you like to watch? Everything my husband doesn't like to watch. All the comedy <laughs> shows and, you know, everything that I don't get to watch if, uh, you know, I've got kids yeah. in the room and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, and we were talking to one runner, I think it maybe it was, Becky, 
No, no, no. Uh, no, it was Cynthia Fowler who was saying that um, her treadmill doesn't go low enough, that she'll have to do like, she's supposed to do five 40-mile repeats and her treadmill only goes down to six. Do you run? Uh, and we're like, oh, yeah, sure. Um, we encounter that problem <laughs> all the time. Um, so so do you find that you're able to do everything you want to on a treadmill? You know, I don't have the problem with the pace. Mine goes to five-minute pace. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, but for whatever reason... Um, I don't know if it's the humidity or we, I live in an older home, but I find that I get a little bit of bouncing. So I feel like I'm kind of getting a little jerked around. So if I go at really high speeds, I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall off and I'm going to be like on YouTube, you know, like those. those <laughs> George people, Jetson's got nothing on you. That, like all of a sudden you're running and you're like slamming against the wall or, you know, and of course I wouldn't be doing anything you know stupid as to like why would you do that on a treadmill except run fast but um that's the only thing is sometimes i think the wheels get a little the, the roller gets a little moist with the belt and depending on the the humidity i feel like it just slips just a little bit so i'm like okay don't fall off don't fall off but uh-huh. yeah other than that it's it's um it's got it's got me through some some really good strong workouts which which i'm grateful for Good, good. So, so based on your job, we're curious if you follow a special modified diet. You know, I listen to my body. I'm a, a firm believer in just eating whole, real food. Um, I just, like I said, I listen to my body and I usually can tell, okay, I'm feeling like I need some more iron or um, how, how do you feel like that? that? Like, is it because is it you're tired or what? Yeah, um, I can, if I'm not sleeping well, um, that could either be, you know, maybe I'm overtraining a little bit, or um, sometimes I feel like it could be the iron, or if I'm just simply doing, walking up the stairs, and I feel like, okay, my legs are a little heavy, or my heart rate gets a little bit higher just by walking up the stairs, that's usually a sign, and it's funny, because I'll, I'll get tested for iron and it might be borderline low or, um, cause I, um, I think it's, you know, important to get blood work done just to make sure your, your body's functioning properly, especially when you're, you're training at such a high level. So I'm usually with all the years of running, I'm pretty good at reading my body. So what, what are some of your favorite meals to make like before a long run or how do you, how do you fuel yourself? Um, what what are some of your favorite ways to do that? Um, I just love the whole grains, the quinoa, brown rice, you know, as my source of carbohydrate, um, sweet potatoes. Um, there's this new one I found that I don't, I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's a deep purple and Mm -hmm. it is the sweetest, most delicious potato I've ever had. And you don't even need anything on it. It's like a dark purple. So I, I've been enjoying that, um, through this, uh, round of train for the marathon, but I just, I keep, I keep it simple. I just throw nuts in. Um, I, um, vegetables, proteins, like quinoa has a ton of protein in it. And, um, I do do a lot of smoothies with, um, protein in it, which helps because, um, I find if I, if I, if I get a good dose of protein, it helps me recover faster. Nice. Nice. Cool. Okay. So, so after your seesaw of not qualifying and then qualifying, how do you envision the trials unfolding for you and, and what are your goals? You know, it's my Olympics. <laughs> it's being, oh, that's awesome. I feel it's I feel it's my Olympics and my family is gonna be there and my sons have my sons like 
you can't help but feel guilty. Like, okay, do do my two boys think I'm like crazy from all? Like, how about you run so much? You know, and what you know, me, my my son, my six year old's like, you know, if you're tired, you can just walk. You know, or, <laughs> you know it's like you can take a break. You know, like sometimes I'm like, what does he think in his head? You know, mm-hmm. and um, I am just so excited for my boys to be there with their cowbells and see me run by and to hopefully put it together of hard work and dedication will take you to this opportunity. And I, I hope that, you know, my, my youngest is going to be three in April. So I don't know if he'll remember, but I hope my six year old just takes it all in and just understands what hard work can do. And, um, and then also it makes doesn't make me feel as guilty when I want to go out for a training session or, you know, when it's like, should I, when you want to be spending more time with your kids, especially when you're, you know, trying to train really hard for your, you know, your next race or upcoming marathon. So I, um, I am so excited for them to see it and witness it. And that was my dream was just to have my family be there. And so I, well, I'm going to just, be there and just take it all in. It's my Olympics. I'm gonna I'm gonna run as hard as I, I can, but I'm going to enjoy every moment of it and whatever happens, happens. Well, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Well we will be cheering for you, Heather, on the thirteenth yeah. and um we'll be ringing our cowbells yeah. right here. <laughs> <laughs> well best of luck to you, Heather. Thank you so much. I, I enjoy um, talking with you guys. And this is my first podcast. So it's it's fun just to, to chat, right? Chat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All righty. Take care, Heather. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And our final extra speedy mother runner is Andrea Duke who qualified at the Chicago Marathon in 2014 in a time of 2.41.05. Andrea lives in San Antonio. She has run more than 46 marathons, qualified for Boston at least 10 times. She's also a triathlete. She's done a ton of half Ironman distance tries. Andrea has a PhD in sports communication. She's a college professor, and she is the mother of a son and a daughter. Andrea, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for asking me. Appreciate it. Good. So, so wow, you are a prolific racer. Like the, the year you qualified for the trials, that was your third marathon of the year. So how do you, yes. how do you manage the training, mothering, working life balance thing? Um, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> um, yeah, I was working full time, um, adjunct professor for, um, down here in San Antonio, had two kids, um, and training, beyond any of my limits and it it I always kind of look back sometimes and um you know my calendar on my phone looked like this beautiful rainbow of all these different things and I color coded everything to the point of like wake up drive and most of the time if I was driving between picking up kids taking kids work I'd be eating in the car and I'd have to fix it the night before and um if I taught in the morning I'd run in the afternoon and if I were uh, taught in the afternoon I'd run in the morning plus I had strength and it literally was like this beautiful rainbow of just <laughs> activities and schedules and I've said before I mean I feel like it was just a it eventually became this well-oiled machine where if I was five minutes late it was like uh-oh like we're late uh-oh. everybody get in the car a color <laughs> so, fading quick we gotta get yes, in there we gotta get I, in there exactly how, how old are your kids Andrea 
Um, my son is uh, seven, almost eight, and my daughter just turned four yesterday. So mm, seven happy and four. Birthday. Nice. Yes, wow. it was. Yeah, I went off my uh, trials diet and did have half a cupcake, so I was pretty oh, proud of myself. Living, living large there, Andrea. I know, Send me I the know. other half and maybe an I extra know. one or two. <laughs> well, I just I say to myself, I was like, I'll do half. I know it's really ridiculous, but I'm like got one week and I can eat all the cupcakes I want in yeah. like one week. So <laughs> just yes, being freedom. good for one week. I can do, I can do it. <laughs> um, well, so your qualifying time of 241 was a PR for you by almost 16 minutes it was. and a decade prior to that, you were trying to run a sub four hour marathon. Yes. Talk about how you went from, you know, wanting sub four to going greatly sub three. Um, well, in terms of just my mental desire, it just turned into, um, you know, I mean, I guess the, the more I got involved with my kids, the more I was kind of thinking, you know, well, you know, I'd love to kind of show them, um, you know, kind of me still going and going strong and never giving up kind of those, you know, those mantras that we all try to live by. And so it turned into just from, you know, when, when I first started running marathons almost 14 years ago, it was just a social thing, very much a, I'm going to dress up and go to Disney marathon, or I'm going to run five a year and like eat the Cheez-Its from the bowl with the kid at mile 10. You know I mean? It was very much a social thing for me. And then it kind of turned into like, I really like this and I wonder what I can do. And so it kind of evolved into, um, you know, after having kids, you know, after my son, I kind of said like, one, like I need to do something with my body. And then I think I just use that um, desire to get back in shape and kind of in a way took it to the next level. And then after my daughter, um, after having two kids, I said, okay, I really need to do something different. And then um, with, with that, and then my son had a, had an accident. I kind of had this, you know, kind of a beautiful monsoon uh, tornado come together and said, okay, well, I need to get fit because I just had a baby. I need to get back into shape. Plus, my son had this accident, and I'm really emotionally frustrated and, and you know, um, kind of sad and everything. And so it was just this big, um, like, you know, force that came together, and that's just when it kind of all clicked. And, and it just, I mean, in a way, like, I felt like it was magic. It just, like, it just happened for me. Wow. Is your son okay now? Oh, yeah. He's he's good now. He um, he uh, shattered his femur. He mm. broke it in two places when he was three years old and mm. had to be in traction for 10 days. And then, yeah, imagine telling a three year old, like, don't move from the right. spot for, t- for right. 10 days. Oh um, yeah. And then he had a full body cast for almost four months. And oh. um, the orthopedist said, you know, because of his age, you know, and, and the length of his um, being in a cast, like one of his legs is going to be shorter than the other because it's, it ha- it's not gonna be able to grow for four months. Um, and so the doctor always said that he was going to have some kind of strange, kind of like a little bit, he, he always referred to Forrest Gump and I was like, Oh, okay. So he might have this little, like, a uh, you know, um, problem with his leg. He might have a, like a, a limp or something and he, you know, may never kind of run or walk normal again. And, He's now, you know, doing karate and soccer and he kind of, he defied the odds, which was amazing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, So we love something you wrote on the Wazelle site. You wrote, I never lose. I either win or learn. So, so tell us more about that way of approaching running and life. Yeah. So, um, again, and I'm, I'm so glad that you asked me to to come on this uh, podcast because, 
everything that I feel when, when I'm talking about running and my, my two year, not even two years of kind of like being like a, a really good runner. And even the reason I'm at the trials, I mean, all stems from my kids. And it's one of those where, um, I have this whole new perspective in life where, um, you know, I'm not defined by my numbers. I'm not defined by my time. If I'm a good runner, then I'm a good runner. But we know when I come home from LA, my kids aren't going to know my time. They're not going to care about my time. They're going to say like, welcome home. Did you bring me something back? Like, where's my <laughs> gift? Like, I missed you. I saw you on TV for like one second, mom, but you know, where's my laundry? You know I mean? It's very much a perspective aspect. So when I look at running, it's one of those where like, I really can't ever get mad at myself or get down on myself and say like, that was a crappy run or like, you know, I had the most awful race, you know, and then I have to put it in perspective and say like, okay, I'll either win or, you know, I saw this quote, it's like you either win. And to me, like I always win, like, I feel like in some ways I always win, but if I don't win, I didn't really lose because I always learned something from it. So like when I, when I felt like I failed at Boston earlier or last year, like I felt like I failed this race and I then had to turn around and say, but no, like my kids are still proud of me. They still called me and told me you were the fastest runner. And to me, you, you won mom, you got a medal, right? You won. And so, um, it's this idea that if I don't quote unquote win, there's always something to learn. I should have been in a Peloton pack. I should have not gone out fast. I shouldn't have drank a new drink. Like I, there's all these things that I can learn. And so it's this idea that I teach my kids as well as myself of like, you're never going to lose. If you learn something you've never lost. Nice. That's awesome. So what, what, what did you learn from that Boston race? That you- <laughs> <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Um, one, I probably should have been wearing more clothes um, because I didn't wear gloves. I didn't wear a hat. Like I came from Texas. I mean, mm. being in South Texas, like April, like I was, I mean, it's like, all right. I mean, today, what is it like 75 and it's what, February 3rd. Yeah. And so, and so, you know, I'm coming off of, I don't need gloves. I don't need like, I, oh I, I didn't even think about packing all this. And so I came unprepared with my clothes. Um, and, I think and rem- I got remind people it was terrible weather. Oh, terrible. Like 40 degrees raining, like 30 mile an hour headwinds. And so, um, like I wasn't scared of the weather because I train in all types of weather. I mean, I don't care what it is outside. I'll get outside because I can't be afraid of what, you know, what race day is going to be like. But I didn't even think about gloves or, you know, like um, a head wrap or like even a hat. I mean, I was all worried. Did I bring my sunglasses? And so, you know, I, <laughs> I, so I now I'm like prepared, like always bring a hat, no matter, always bring gloves, no matter. Um, and, um, and I think I got so wrapped up in the emotion of it all, given the fact that I was an elite and I was the only Wazelle runner. Um, I was standing next to Chilean and, you know, it's just, I, I think I got a little bit too excited, but also a little bit too confident in myself. Um, and then on top of that, because it was so windy, um, I, because again, I'm so novice and all of this like high level elite racing, like I didn't even think. If it's windy, I need to be getting behind someone. Mm-hmm. I need to use somebody. I need to, you know, kind of like in cycling, I need to get into Peloton. I need to use a pack to get through this where for the first 13 miles, it was just me and I was breaking the wind by myself. Um, and then it just kind of crumbled from there. But I still got a sub three hour, you know, I mean, wow. I st- still 
still had a, you know, an experience of a lifetime. So again, in that situation, I had to step back and say, okay, you know, you had on your worst day, Andrea, you had a sub three hour marathon as an elite runner at the Boston, like again, perspective, like seriously, yeah. come on, you know? Yeah. So doesn't suck. Doesn't suck. Right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> no at all. <laughs> well, so, no. um, so what, what lessons and, and, are you going to take to the trials? What's, what's your goal there? You told one reporter qualifying for the summer Olympics is the unicorn and it's the golden ticket. You dream about it every day. I mean, are are you going to qualify? Are you going to see if you can get a spot on the team? Um, well, I mean, I'm never going to say no. I mean, I can't, I cannot as a human being, I cannot as an elite runner go into a race saying like, "Eh, I don't want to win. Like, no, like I, and you know, but on the other hand, like I have to be realistic, like on paper, I'm not even close to doing it. Um, I'm not even close to Chalet and the Desi times. I'm not even, you know, those, t- and there's so many more women that are faster than me. Um, but, you know, kind of like the dreamy side, the side, the, the emotional side that, that got me to Chicago, that got me to take risks, that got me, you know, to, to, to get out of my comfort zone and, and stop being like this traditional I'm just going to run for fun runner. I mean, that's the heart within me that got me where I am. So part of me wants to say, like, if I've done, you know, 10, 15, 16 minute PRs before, like, why can't I do it again? And I know it's at a much, much, much higher level. It is so much harder to go from like a 550 mile to like a 520 mile and keep it at a steady pace. Um, But I mean, I have to be realistic, but I also am not at all going to the trials thinking like, eh, you know, like I'm just going to run for fun. I mean, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to give the race of my lifetime um, and whatever happens, happens. As long as I leave everything out there and I cross the finish line, knowing I gave 110%, I will be so happy and excited and pleased. That's awesome. I'm curious. I don't know if you talked, we had um, three people on the podcast um, previously last week, but I just, I'm curious because we haven't talked about the course at all. What's the course like? I'm sure you've studied it a little bit. I have, and I've talked to my coach who's been Bruce. I've talked to him about it. And um, when I first heard that it was loops, um, I knew that it was supposed to be spectator friendly, easy for the media, that kind of thing. At first I was like, oh my gosh, shoot me in the head, like loops. Like I'm going <laughs> to see the same thing over and over again. It's like, you know, four loops. And I'm going, oh, like I, I track workouts. I've done races before that are loops and I'm just like, that's like, that's like hell to me. I can't imagine (laughs) seeing the same thing over and over and over. But then like the more, like I sat back again, thought about it, talked to my coach. He said, well, one, like you can position your family and friends like around so that you see them. And it's also really good for you to see things. You go, Oh, I'm already there. Oh, I'm already to the stadium, that kind of thing. So he's trying to flip my brain and say, actually, it's really good to have loops so that you can have constant support and you constantly know where you are. Um, and of course, me, I'm going, what if I lose count of how many times I've gone around? You know? <laughs> That's like my biggest worry is like, what if I think it's nice. three and it's really two? That kind of thing. Um, oh, that so, would be bad. yeah, that would be bad. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking like, is somebody like I'm hoping somebody else is going to keep track. For me. I, I think, um, yeah, it's not like you're, you're swimming hundreds in the pool, right? Yeah, like, no, it's only no, four yeah. loops. <laughs> I'm just going to like, was that 60 or 55? Um, <laughs> Um, so and is it hilly, is it hilly it, or no, is it those... flat? It is okay. flat, which is going to be, I think nice. Cause where I train out in San Antonio, it's like 90% Hills. And so mm. I like flat. My hamstrings may not like it as much. Cause I kind of do get used to kind of the change in elevation. Um, I have been told by my coach, there's one section that's pretty significant, maybe five or six, like 
technical turns. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those where if you're on the outside, you're going to, you know, run a little more and it's like a tight kind of almost in a way it's, um, there's no way to describe it. It's almost like a little snake. Like you have all these major turns at one point in order to get around. So, um, to get caught or get pushed over, or, you know, you got to be kind of a little bit smart about how you take the turns. And so, um, so we've, I think I'm going to try to go to that intersection and look at it just so I can, um, pre-plan for it, but it's pretty flat, pretty, you know, um, you know, spectator friendly and, um, which again, I think it's going to be a good thing. So, so one final question, you alluded to the risks that you took to, to get to where you are. I mean, to go from that, you know, that you're running marathons in over four hours to now, Mm -hmm. you know, um, dreaming about, um, actually going to Rio for the U S I mean, so, so talk a little bit about the risks that you took and some of the things that you did to get there, please. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's everything from the basic idea of like, uh, you know, taking time out from, you know, being with my kids. I I mean, I, I very much been very strategic about my runs that, um, you know, I do my long runs on Fridays so that I never, like, I don't, I'm not gone on the weekends. Like my weekend runs are just an hour recovery runs. So I, I very strategic about doing my runs during school time, doing runs where it doesn't interfere with, um, like any major school activities. But I mean, there's always going to be a piece of me that's going to be, you know, kind of, I mean, I want to go to bed at seven o'clock and, and, you know, my kids are like wired at seven and it's one of those where, you know, I have to kind of, you know, muster up like my fifth wind and, and give more of me to them because, you know, I mean, each day I'm running at least like 13 to 15 miles. And so, um, so I think, you know, kind of the idea of, of, trying to muster up more energy and, and, um, you know, making sure that I'm a good mom. I feel like there have been times where, you know, um, that I've kind of have, have been a bit selfish. Um, and I've had to, you know, go back and make sure that my kids get extra love if I'm like cranky one morning, you know, or whatnot. But, um, I mean, I've, I've, I have, I mean, this is going to sound like I, ha- I am so, like the biggest hermit crab. Um, <laughs> like I really don't have any friends. Um, I mean, I have friends, but it's not like I have like girl nights out and I don't like, do you know, and I, I don't, I go out and I have people that I run with, but I'm very much like a homebody. I'm very much like I want to run on my own. And so when it comes to like social nights and going out and doing things, I mean, I, I've given up that aspect of life. I've given up kind of a social life, um, given up the, you know, I go to bed at eight. Like, you know, I don't, I don't do a lot. Um, but to me, like, it's worth it. I mean, I know I'd love to have more friends and do more things, but to me it's, um, it's worth it. And so when it comes to the big risks, like it's just, you know, what can I put my body through and changing my diet and lifting weights and, and reading books about mental toughness and it's good changes and good risks, but it's definitely, you know, a a big change from, um, you know, am I going to wear this hot costume or that costume for dinner? I know, are you going to eat cheez <laughs> Yeah, like, is it cheez or pretzels? Or should I have this beer or this beer? You know, now it's like, you know, a matter of like, you know, um, you know, do half I go to bed? Yeah, <laughs> I know, I have to give up things like that. But um, no, on the flip side, I'm going to eat all the cupcakes in the world the week after. But but it's been well, good I, things. I mean, I I think it's 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 well worth what I've had to give up. Well, and it's not, it's not forever, right? I mean, this is no, obviously so clearly your passion. And in a decade from now, you could have, you know, a whole posse of friends and, you know, yeah. pull yeah. all nighters and if cheese, you want all cheese it's for all. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's for all. Yeah. And I think it does, it does very much help that Wazelle has such a beautiful online sisterhood that even though like I don't have, 
quote unquote girlfriends to hang out with. I mean, all my teammates, we have all of our numbers and, you know, we text each other and we watch TV shows together and then, <laughs> you know, post it on Instagram and social media. Like, I feel like I have a thousand friends that like, if I have a bad day, you know, at least 10 of them will message me and say like, we love you. Don't worry about it, which is what you would get in real life. And so I think the online social community has been so wonderful to be able to lean on them and have them inspire and help us um, while also doing the same for them. Because it's one of these, you know, these days where like, you know, if I don't have anybody to talk to, quote unquote, I can always like reach out and there's always somebody out there that wants to be able to like give a thumbs up or a high five. Sure. That's sure. awesome. Well, yeah. we, well, we will be giving you thumbs up and high fives um, on uh, February 13. So thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. We you wish you bet. all the best. Go after that Thank unicorn. Thank you. Yes, and that I cupcake. And, yeah. and that cupcake. <laughs> five of them plus like 10 beers after. Yes. <laughs> nice I know. Thing. And that, that is so sad. I know. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. So, oh man, pretty awesome, huh? Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're all kind of in the same boat, but they all have a little bit different perspective, which is great. I mean, I love that Andrea's like, I'm going to race, you know, (laughs) I'm going to, you know, take 16 more minutes off my time, which is great. I mean, they're all going to go to race, of course, but you know. Yeah. I also love her like magical way of thinking. She uses her magic, rainbow, unicorn, you know, she described the, 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 you know, the overwhelming monsoon, even when it was negative, it had like these kind of powerful images. And it sounds like she kind of builds this world for herself. And now, you know, Los Angeles and a four loop track is going to be four loop course is going to be her world. So, yeah. so exciting. So can't wait for that. So, so Dim, let's head over to the challenge corner. Today, we have a comment from the half marathon group. Kim wrote in and she writes, my friend Robin decided to tackle her first half marathon this spring. She's running the Cape Cod trail half with me in April. Today we did our longest run together, her longest ever, seven miles, which she rocked with only a couple walk breaks. It is a new experience for me to have the opportunity to encourage a new runner. It is so awesome to pay it forward and enable the running addiction of a newbie. Hooray for friends, hooray for running, hooray for being badass and taking on new challenges. Hooray is right. Happy Valentine's Day, Kim and Robin. And your song this week is an oldie, very oldie, but goodie. Glad to have a friend like you from the Free to Be You and Me album. All right, well, I bet we have some new listeners this time, thanks to Wazell sharing this podcast. If you're not already a devotee of another Mother Runner podcast, we'd love if you would subscribe to it either via the podcast app on your phone, iTunes, or ACAST, which is our podcast network. ACAST, that's A-C-A-S-T, has an easy-to-use free app where you can listen to all of your podcasts, including another Mother Runner, and you can subscribe to them. Also, we'd love if you would like our Facebook page, Another Mother Runner, We encourage you to share your accomplishments and questions on the page. Nothing is too basic or too much information. 
and we'd love to see race photos. The AMR tribe compiles a pile of miles every Sunday, which is fun to be a part of. Finally, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at The Mother Runner. Many happy miles to you and to all the women running the 2016 Olympic Marathon Trials. Woohoo! Cowbells! Cowbells!